All right, we're going to start a new little series today. Um, I've titled this one, A Confident Hope and an Unshakable God. Now, what I realize is that you and I kind of got to deal a little bit with the fact that um, our world has been <coughs> shaken in lots of ways over these last 15, 16 months, hasn't it? You know, just about when you think the news can't get worse, it does. So what do I anchor my life to? Absolutely. What we're going to deal with today is a good start with this. Now, we'll be in Matthew 8 next week. We're going to spend a few weeks in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 6 this morning. And um, we're going to deal with kind of a favorite passage of mine that I'm going to be honest with you. And if I'm not honest with you, talk to Rhonda and she'll be really honest with you. I just don't live up to. And this has been a good study for me this week. Um, If you're like me, (laughs) you know, I have that thing that happens every night. Literally for the last couple of months, it's been every morning I wake up at 3.30. I don't really get it. Sometimes I can go back to sleep. Sometimes I can't. And there are times, guys, when I um, contemplate in those still dark hours of the morning. There are times when I contemplate, okay, now what was it I was worrying about again? You know, you forget. Uh, uh, You worry so much, it's like, okay, what was that again? That's how bad it's become, how systemic it's become with me. Now, um, um, Let's talk for just a minute about the context of Matthew 6. This is going to come in the middle of, um, it's going to come in the middle of Jesus' uh, sermon known that we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. So this is kind of in the middle of it. And uh, you and I know that this contains some of the best of Jesus' teaching and honestly, the best teaching of any kind uh, in history. Um, the sermon uh, answers questions that Jesus is going to address about the coming of God's kingdom in his life and what life is like or supposed to be like under God's rule. Um, you and I know about the Beatitudes. We won't be talking about those today, but that comes a little bit before where we're going to be. Um, but it's interesting. Um, he's going to talk about a lot, and we're going to see this in other passages as well. He's going to talk a lot about how important it is to make sure you're scrubbed clean on the inside. Don't worry a whole lot about the outside. Now, I, 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 I thought of this weeks ago. At, um, do you have a favorite coffee cup? I do. It's one I found in a flea market store somewhere in Colorado, Rhonda. I can't remember what town we were in. And uh, I took it back to the cabin where we were staying, and I put bleach in it, and I used Comet. I didn't know they still made Comet. <laughs> but they do. And uh, it's a, a thick restaurant wear small cup. I like, to have, I like my coffee to be hot, and um, so I don't, don't put a whole lot in a cup at a time. I don't mind to go back to the coffee pot a few times. And anyway, I kind of cleaned this thing. It's, it's got a lot of character to it, and I use it every morning. But what I realize 
is that if I'm not careful, I will address the outside of the cup and forget the inside of the cup. You know, I will address cleaning the outside of the cup. And one of Jesus' great teachings in, in this section of Scripture, he says, hey, be careful that you don't just clean the outside of the cup. If you clean the inside of the cup, the outside is probably going to be clean. That's what he addresses here. And part of that uh, we're going to deal with actually today. Um, uh, repeatedly in this sermon, Jesus addresses the problem of worry. Uh, repeatedly in here, uh, he asks for God's will. In fact, he's going to tell us to pray for God will to, God's will to be done in all the earth. And he's going to ask you and I to live in a confident hope that God is good and that he's kind and that he's loving. So um, where we're going to start is going to be preceded by statements that contrast the trust of a citizen in God's kingdom with the life of somebody who lacks that kind of trust. Jesus' teaching is going to tell us what that hopeful living is all a part of following him to the letter. So let's read a little bit of this. We're going to start Matthew 6, verse 25. Cindy, since Steve is not here today, can I ask you to read verse 25 and 26 and 27? And we'll start right there. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus chose a word carefully here, the word worry. He's going to use it a few other times, and it'll be translated, some version of it, as anxious or anxiety. Uh, The word that he chooses, and he had a lot of words at his disposal to choose, so he chose it, the word he wanted to use. The word uh, is akin to being choked or strangled. In fact, it's the word that he uses later when he is teaching through uh, the parable of the sower and the seed when he says, the worries of life choked out the seed. Remember that part of that little story? Strangled. Worry can leave, have a stranglehold on me. Now, what he's going to begin here to talk about the focus of worry uh, as he begins in verse 25 is on food and clothing. And I just left the rhetorical question, would you consider these essential? Yes, they are essential. But in their day, um, these were a constant struggle for them. Water had to be drawn daily from a well. Food had to be grown on my land and harvested and processed by me. Um, What clothing I have... Um, is sown by my own hand. There is no such thing in their day uh, for most people, and certainly those to whom Jesus is originally addressing uh, this talk, there's no such thing as disposable income for extra. So he says, as he begins this discourse, he says, people in God's kingdom 
should move from worry, from a position of worry, that stranglehold, to trust. The question I think I've got to ask occasionally is, can he take care of me? So, verse 26, he says, consider the birds. Consider the birds. Now, um, I left the question here. Uh, at issue here is who is it who feeds the birds? Now, I know who feeds the birds. Rhonda. We, you know, she left a bunch of food out for them while we were gone. And yesterday she's, she's panicking a little bit about, I got to get back over and get some peanuts. I think you were wanting for the birds, yeah. Oh, by the way, the squirrels like the peanuts too. But, but um, we're, we're out of peanuts in the feeders. So um, it's, it's Rhonda. But probably here, the answer in, in Matthew 6 is not Rhonda who feeds the birds. It's God who feeds the birds. Now, um, uh, would somebody go to 2 Thessalonians 3.10? I want us to read that here in just a second. Mark, you mind again? Thank you. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Now, um, sowing and reaping and storing. So he's talking about sowing and reaping and storing. And what I want you to catch here is that those aren't bad things in context. Um, in fact, you and I are commanded, stick with me here, you're commanded to work. What, is it, what does Paul say, uh, Mark? For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Have you noticed there's a thing going on right now? Have you noticed this? I, there, is, there are very few stores, restaurants, that don't have a help wanted. I mean, literally, on their marquee, they're not advertising Big Macs now. They're advertising, text this number for an interview. I, I think that's really intriguing. And it's all over the country. And you and I know why. Because people are being paid not to work. Now, that's interesting that I'm not going to get political about this. It's just, it is a thing. And it's been a hard 15, 16 months. I get that. But the truth is, the Bible says we're commanded. You, you heard what Mark read. He who doesn't work won't eat. I mean, that's fairly plain, isn't it? Kind of. Uh, I, I put a couple of Old Testament references in here that, that deal with kind of a similar thing. Uh, the idea here is sowing and reaping and storing and working are not bad things. But the issue again is trust. Look at that verse again. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now, uh, my understanding is here, the idea is that birds will eat whether Rhonda feeds them or not. Okay? I, by the way, she feeds them so we can look at them. Okay? I get that. We love having them in our yard. In fact, uh, the third of the robin trio fledged yesterday, and we got to watch him fledge yesterday. And uh, don't tell her that I threw the nest away. I didn't think he needed it anymore. But anyway. Um, I, have, I have two Mississippi kites nesting in my tree. 
Now, they're big, aren't they, Wayne? Okay. Yeah, they're a raptor, but they don't eat bugs. Uh, they don't eat other birds. No. I hope. Okay. That's good. Now, okay, so here, here's an exercise. Now, um, an older translation uh, of uh, verse 27, uh, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour? Um, uh, an older translation actually translates that word hour uh, uh, by using one cubit, which I think is interesting. You know what a cubit is. It's a measure of, of length. It's 18 inches. It basically was from the tip of your finger to your, to your uh, elbow. Um, uh, so, but this is not talking about height. It might be talking about length of life. But, but I, I, as I was studying this, I, I encountered a, a question that's a good question. You may want to think about it. In fact, if you've got an initial answer to it, I'd love to hear it. Um, what word would you play, replace our with there? Second. Uh, I'm sorry? Not a single second. Not a single second. Okay, so it's still a measure of time. But, uh, uh, Brad, I thought about uh, putting some other concepts in there even. Okay, so I've got a couple of them. Let me just, a couple of them that I came up with. Um, uh, I'm going to read it. I'm going to replace the word. Let's see if you want to do this too. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single dollar to his account? If that's your worry area. Um, how many of you, by worry, can add a single accomplishment to his resume. Can I get that? Yeah. So think about that a little bit, Ellie. You got that look on your face. How would you, what word would you put in there? There you go, Steve. How many of you, uh, by worry, can add a single hair to your head? There you go. Uh, uh, uh-huh. uh, by the way, Ellie reminded me this morning that he asked me if they don't have barbershops in Alabama. I do need a haircut, but I realize that um, it's turning kind of white these days. And, um, and I realized years ago, probably 20 years ago, I would much rather it turn white than turn loose. And it, it's doing both. So... Answer that question for you. If it will help you deal with this issue of stranglehold worry. By worry, what can you add to your life? Literally, there is no word I can fill in there that I get a positive answer for, I think. Now let's go to the next section. John, you're here today. If you don't mind, would you read 28 down through 30? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? Okay, let, let's kind of drill down on this a little bit. Clothing was really hard to come by in Jesus' day. Um, 
um, there were no textile mills. Sheep would have to be raised and then shorn. Flax would have to be grown and harvested. Then the threads that were produced by, by the, that produce um, would have to be loomed. And that cloth that was created, all of that process would be done by hand. By hand. Um, Ron and I were talking about a sewing machine on the way up here. There was none of that. It was all done by hand. Um, uh, it's, so if, if you follow that, by the way, it's interesting. Um, I put one reference from, from Judges 14. One of um, Samson's challenges was he was going to offer 30 changes of clothes for somebody who could do whatever, solve a riddle or whatever it was. That, that was like, whoa, who's got 30 changes of clothes? Nobody's got 30 changes of clothes, okay, except Ellie Schneider. But um, anyway. 30, 30 did, man. <laughs> Literally. So, but... You had the clothes on your back, and that was it. Now, so he says here, he begins to put a reference here then in verse, 30, uh, verse 29 to a guy who was the best-dressed guy ever in their memory. What was his name? Solomon. Solomon. Now, you remember, he was the wealthiest guy they had ever read about, ever known anything about. It was in the zenith of Israel's Political and economic might, and he was something, and he was a sight to behold. Okay? Every time you would see Solomon, he'd have a different regal robe on with all of the accoutrements that went with it. All right? Um, in our day, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about a red carpet event in Hollywood that's covered on stations that I no longer watch. Okay? Because it's a really big deal, isn't it? She is wearing this. He is wearing this. And they, they pause for photographs and video. So think of a red carpet at the Oscars or some other kind of worldly gathering and put the best of that, even this year, beside one orchid and compare them. There's no comparison. Amen. By one American beauty rose. There is no comparison. No comparison. By the best of what Solomon had to wear. Put that up against a lily, he says, of the field. Compare them. There's going to be tens all around the room for the lily and maybe a seven or eight for Solomon. There is no comparison with what Jesus can do. There is no comparison with the wealthiest king's clothing here. In fact, one author I read this week began to talk about this illustration that Jesus used and he referenced what I was talking about about the red carpet events and he said, he basically used the word silly. It's all just silly. I don't disagree. You know? No. 
By the way, in case you're wondering, I'm wearing really cool socks. <laughs> Bill Reeves is looking at me with such consternation right now. Okay, so, all right, now, verse 30. So we think about flowers, all right? And then he talks about grass. So he talks about common plants. Even, God even cares for common plants. Now, you and I probably know, especially in Oklahoma, grass takes a lot of care. I was walking by the chapel this morning. I love seeing the grass in front of the chapel uh, that Dan had a lot to do with and that, um, that uh, Herb and, and others have a lot to do with making sure it stays going. Um, in 1720, he's going to talk about a mustard seed. He even has care about that. You remember that? Uh, the mustard seed. Um, uh, it, it's interesting here that he's going to talk about even those things are made beautiful by the hand of the Father. And he uses a phrase that he uses a lot to describe those who are in the kingdom but worry. Oh, you of little faith. Okay, going to be honest. I think there are a lot of days when that phrase applies to me. And I don't like that. I need to work on that. You know, I really do. And this passage is really holding my feet to the fire on that. Now, the, the verse 31 begins with a wonderful connecting conjunction, okay? Uh, actually, in my Bible, it doesn't, it, it, the word comes uh, as the fourth word of verse 31, but maybe in your Bible, it begins with the word so. So, kind of a therefore, then, what am I supposed to do? Uh, John, can I come back to you and you read 31 through 34? So do not worry, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> Could it be any better teaching than this? Okay. So he's going to move from what not to do to what to do. Don't you love that? Uh, by the way, um, I'm not going to indict anybody here. But much of the preaching I grew up with was what not to do. You know. I think back affectionately to the preachers who led me as a kid. But one of the challenges I faced as a teenager trying to follow Jesus is nobody really told me what to do. Aren't you glad that Jesus constantly is doing that? So don't do this, but do this. That's where verse 31 starts. Uh, now, um, uh, he's not against planning that's what goes in your next blank. So this isn't an admonition against planning. Uh, by the way, in terms of food, uh, the American population 
has found the perfect answer to a lack of planning. Fast food. Right? It kind of is, isn't it? Oh, I didn't have time to fix. I didn't have time to plan. The uh, cupboard is bare, so we're going to go get some fast food. But this is not an admonition against planning. It's, an, it's condemning anxiety about that kind of thing. Plan, but don't have a strangling, choking worry. And then he references pagans here. Uh, pagans, being referred to there, are non-Jews. Those who worship false gods. Uh, look over at 545, if your Bible's like mine, just across the page. Um, so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So he's not talking about just evil. He's talking about those who just don't, that have chosen to worship other gods. All right, that's kind of what pagans are talking about here, uh, the worshiper of other gods. He knows them. Now, 633 is one that maybe many of you have, have um, memorized over the years. Maybe if you didn't even try, um, you could probably eke out the song, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, okay? And his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, right? So, so the idea here is uh, that we are to pursue God's kingdom and will thus be taken care of. Here's what I want you to know, that Matthew 6.33 is not a rubber stamp for the prosperity gospel. It's just not. You can't press Matthew 6.33 into name it and claim it theology. You can't. That becoming and, and living as a citizen of the kingdom of God is a much bigger issue than that. And I defy you to read Jesus' teaching and see that pressed in there. So, what is it saying? There's just, this is this wonderful key principle. In John 4, you remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? He had sent the disciples to buy food. Do you remember that? He sent her to buy food. He meets the woman at the well, asks her for a drink. She gives him a drink. And he says, you remember what he says to her? How he starts the conversation? You know, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd be asking me for living water. What a great way to start this whole thing, right? He leads her to eternal life and faith. The kind of faith that makes her go back to her city and say, you got to hear this. I just met a guy that told me all about my life. He transformed my life. Remember when the disciples came back? They'd been to McDonald's. Remember that? <laughs> they got a filet of fish. Yeah, probably. And they offered him something to eat, and he said, what? I have food to eat that you don't even know about. That's kind of the illustration of Matthew 6.33. He was doing kingdom work, and nothing else really mattered. You know? Now, I began to think about trying to apply this. Um, he had other food. What did Jesus not have? Let's think about this. This is a long list. What did Jesus not have? 
He didn't have a home, Estella. He didn't have a mortgage. He didn't have homeowner's insurance. He didn't worry about what he was going to wear because he wore what he had. He had one outfit. He had no wallet. In fact, you remember, who kept the money? Judas. Judas. I find that really intriguing. That would worry me, would it not you? (laughs) He had no wallet. He had no wardrobe. He didn't have to look in the closet and say, what am I going to wear today? You know what else he didn't have? Anxiety. He just didn't sweat it. Uh, Oh, Lord, that I could live that way. He lived such a simple life. I I began to think about, um, um, because I've really gotten uh, enthralled with um, the series, The Chosen. If you haven't, I do recommend it. A lot of times I don't recommend stuff, but I will, that. But what I realized is that he was doing some carpentry even when this thing first started. And I, I began to think, though, probably, he even left his tools behind. Probably James and the other brothers got tools that were not his to begin with. They were his dad's. They were Joseph's. And they passed on to the other guys who kept the carpentry <laughs> business going and kept Mary taken care of. I figure he didn't even have that. I'm guessing. What a simple life. Isn't it true that a lot of what strangles us in worry is the stuff that Jesus did not need? Didn't have it. Didn't need it. I was thinking about in America, we don't really have a problem with food or clothing. But I think we're going to start having a problem with the hacking on the food and being able to have food, even period, come in on trucks or whatever, and even with gas and other supplies. You know, Nadine, there are some in our world, even today, who do worry daily about food. And I, I hate that. You and I need to be involved that in that, true. you know. Um, but boy, what you're talking about is a, a, a grand, big, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a worry in these days. Now... Um, so verse 34 has a phrase in it that's really intriguing I'm not sure I completely get it but I'm going to try it says so don't worry about tomorrow (laughs) that part I get for tomorrow will take care of itself each day has enough trouble of its own Uh, literally here Jesus takes uh, an inanimate word or concept of tomorrow and makes it animate, okay? He's going to say that, again, planning and saving are okay, but he's going to say that we're to live obediently in the now and not be anxious about the later. I I begin to think, That according to Jesus, there are a lot of things that I worry about that he would say, you know, you really don't need that anyway. Uh, They're probably, he would say to me probably, uh, pal, you probably don't need as much as you think you do. And in fact, your life would get a lot simpler if you'd give some of that away or whatever, you know. I was getting out my cool socks this morning. 
And um, I had bought some new socks before I went to um, on vacation. And now I got too many socks in the drawer and they're sticking out. And I'm, I'm realizing, okay, I, get, I need to get rid of some socks. I probably don't need as much as I think I do. And so, here's your last statement, and I'll try to apply it and we'll go. The Jesus way of life, life in the kingdom of God, is not supposed to be difficult. I think I make it harder. The, the Jesus way of life is not supposed to be difficult. In submission to him, we find actually freedom. John 16, 33 is going to say, in this world you will have trouble. But be not dismayed, I have overcome the world. We are free from the burden of worry when we submit to God. So, I'll uh, ask you this question. Would you like to be free from the stranglehold of worry? That's the word he uses. Would you like to be free from the stranglehold of worry? Here's what the old hymn writer is going to say. Paul, I wish I'd have queued you up to sing it. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. You remember how it ends? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. And, and they, they had the audacity, Estella, to use the word. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Two pretty good words for me. Instead of living in the stranglehold of worry, why don't I just trust him and obey him? I think that's pretty good advice. Let's jump over to Matthew 8 next week, okay? Um, I love studying the Bible with you. I hope you have a great Sunday, a great rest of your weekend. I'll see you next week.